0: Dom, dum, don, don, dun, don, don, Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I broadcast weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on WINB and, of course, WWCR. Many ways to listen to the program. Just head over to the listen page at weekendvigilante.com and go back in the archives. If you're new, many great shows there to choose from in the archives. I sure do seem to be getting a lot of listeners lately. Gee, I wonder if it could be the collusion and the corruption from the mainstream talking bobbleheaded minions. It's six o'clock and we're going to tell you what we want you to think. That's pretty much it, folks the corruption knows no bounds with these hucksters. Well, it is October thirty first, 2016. This is wall-to-wall insane asylum meets Twilight Zone. Insanity is officially off the rails, folks. I'm covering a smorgasbord of info today. WikiLeaks releasing more bombshells this week, coming out later today, tomorrow, Wednesday. We know Yahoo was hacked not so long ago. That could be where the Huma Abedin information is coming from the complete coming constitutional crisis over Hillary Clinton's email gate. Hillary is free falling. The rats are all jumping off the sinking ship here. The mishandling of State Department email. That's no big deal, right? No, the real drama is just beginning. Again, Huma Abedin, 650,000 emails dating back years How did those emails end up on disgraced pervert Congressman Anthony Weiner's email? Well, how did he get caught? He was communicating with, a.k.a. sending lewd pictures of himself to underage girls. They seize the computer. They see a file called life insurance. They come across a major collection of things. You know what this is called? It's called espionage, folks. Espionage and blackmail. Hillary's little confidant there, Miss Abedin, who's plugged into the Muslim Brotherhood, World Muslim Group, ties with radical Islamic jihadists, funders of terrorism. This is on record. Huma Abedin is a Saudi operative. Her mother is the main queen, matron, madame of sexual mutilation under Sharia law. This is just full out unbelievable. Now it appears that Huma Abedin is having her attorneys negotiate and fully cooperate with investigators at the FBI. The emails between Huma and Hillary Clinton were discovered among more than, just think about this number, folks, 650,000 email messages. And again, one asks the question, why were they on Uma's estranged husband, Anthony Weiner's laptop? Clearly, Team Clinton, Hillary's epitaph, right? Because hooker by crook, she wants in that White House. Let's quickly recap what Mao tongue in a Skirt has accomplished. It is quite staggering. We've got Whitewater sitting on the board of Lafarge. I went over that story when the first payments were given to fund ISIS by Lafarge. The first failed version of Obamacare when she was first lady. Vince Foster, ring any bells? The Travelgate scandal when she was the first lady. Selling 23% of America's uranium to the Russian. That's New York Times and that's called treason, stealing $2 billion of hate and relief money, posting Ambassador Stevens' travel plans prior to Benghazi, that's accomplice to murder, the drug and money laundering of the Clinton criminal cartel, or the Clinton Foundation as it's called, paying out 6% of the total proceeds of the Clinton Foundation to charity while pocketing the rest, using foreign money in presidential campaign, pay for play. We know that's been laid out pretty in depth. You've got perpetrating arms deals with nations that sponsor terrorism. And this is while she was Secretary of State in exchange for payments to her foundation, preparing to run to a country as no extradition agreements with the United States in order to escape the justice that's coming her way, aka Qatar could she be seeking asylum with Qatar? Well, there's talks. The ongoing email scandal in which she's obstructed justice by deleting 33,000 emails that were under investigation by Congress. Espionage is another charge. Espionage happens when the ongoing email scandal in which she's sent out emails of security designations as above top secret and has done so at least 30 documented times, refusing to step down and creating a constitutional crisis in a nation that is hopelessly divided already, obviously doesn't take security very seriously. So in the world of politics, cover-ups, and crimes worse than Nixon, as I said last week, Watergate's got nothing on this woman, will Hillary Clinton be charged with obstruction of justice, or could she go to prison for 20 years? When the news broke Friday that the FBI has renewed its investigation into her emails, it actually sent shockwaves throughout the political world. But this time around, we aren't just talking about an investigation into the mishandling of classified documents. But if the FBI discovers that Hillary altered, destroyed, or concealed any emails, which I think we can paint a fairly strong case for, That should have been turned over to the FBI during the original investigation, she could be charged with obstruction of justice. So that would immediately end her political career. And if she was found guilty, well, it could send her to prison for the rest of her life. And I don't think I've even seen a single news reporter out there mention the phrase obstruction of justice. I've been watching some of the MSM sites over the weekend, but hmm, it could be where this scandal is heading. Well, whoever knowingly alters, destroys, mutilates, conceals, covers up, falsifies, or makes a false entry in any record, document, or tangible object with the intent to obstruct or influence the investigation of any department or agency of the United States shall be fined under this title. That's obstruction of justice, which comes with a 20-year sentence and a pretty hefty fine. But it's Pretty unlikely there's going to be any kind of resolution to the matter before November 8th. I mean, if you have 650,000 emails, that's a lot of emails for federal agents to scour through. Many have been wondering why FBI Director James Comey would choose to make such a bold move just over a week until Election Day. Surely he had to know that this would have a pretty dramatic impact on the election. So it's unlikely that he is going to do something like this unless he's already found something really big. The following excerpt from a Daily Mail article that was written by Ed Klein, the author of a recently released New York Times bestseller about the Clintons entitled Guilty as Sin. Here's the quote. Some people, including department heads, had stopped talking to Jim altogether and even ignored his greetings when they passed him in the hall, said the source. They felt he betrayed them and brought disgrace on the bureau by lettering Hillary off with a slap on the wrist. The atmosphere at the FBI had been toxic ever since he announced in July that he wouldn't recommend an indictment against Hillary. And this source, again, is a close friend who's known the Comeys for nearly two decades, sharing family outings with him and even accompanying them to Catholic Mass every week. According to this source, Comey fretted over the problem for months and discussed it at great length with his wife. He told his wife that he was depressed by the stack of resignation letters piling up on his desk from disaffected agents. The letters reminded him every day that morals in the FBI had hit rock bottom. Well, in any effect, this week is going to be exceedingly interesting. That is for sure. This is by far the craziest election in modern American history, and it just keeps getting crazier. And I have a feeling that it's going to have a few more twists and turns ahead. It seems pretty ironic that Anthony Weiner is playing such a central role this late in the game, and I can't wait to see what is in store for the season finale of course you have Loretta Lynch mob as I call her taking the fifth on the Iran cash deal this is Nixonian era corruption you have the most corrupt attorney general in history I call her Eric Holder in a skirt this woman is a treasonous snake beyond reproach there is no words it's pretty significant when the attorney general who's the main legal advisor to the government. She also has executive responsibility for law enforcement and public prosecutions, responsible for legal affairs. This is the woman who is sitting in the back of a plane with one Bill Clinton not so long ago, remember? So what does she do? Well, she's declining to comply with an investigation by leading members of Congress about the Obama administration's secret efforts to send, remember the $1.7 billion in cash earlier this year, sending that off to Iran? As the United States' chief law enforcement officer, essentially, it is outrageous that she would essentially plead the fifth and refuse to respond to inquiries. Again, this puts me in mind of the Nixonian era. This is worse. Congressional sources have told the Free Beacon that this is simply another part of the effort to hide details about secret negotiations with Iran from the American public. Well, seems like every Obama administration official and department head involved in the Iran deal appears to be running for cover. Well, you know what? Refusal to cooperate? Is that really the best strategy move? No. It's dangerous and it's ultimately not going to protect them from anything. I can guarantee you the truth always comes out. Lynch mob, shame on you. You know, this canard that voter fraud does not exist. Last week, I talked about all the voter fraud, the manipulation that was coming out on record, votes getting changed, rig ballots, this canard that voter fraud does not exist. Obama said, hey, there's no such thing as voter fraud. Yet on record, last week, he told sources that Russians are going to try and hack these machines. No, wait a minute, Obama, you said voter fraud does not exist. And now you're saying, oh, but the Russians are going to try to hack it. So Obama further said, we're going to get the United Nations to monitor just in case. So which is it, Barry? Is there voter fraud or is there no voter fraud? Well, just in case, we're going to get the UN to monitor it. Do people see the absolute absurdity of this? Again, you just cannot make this stuff up. Well, the Ammon Bundy verdict was in last week, of course, putting federal land agencies on alert. Now, interesting, when U.S. Marshals physically subdued attorney, this is Ammon Bundy's attorney Marcus Mumford, at the finale of the Oregon's militants finale of the trial, the encounter created quite a buzz across the legal community with experts saying they've never seen anything like it. Marshals tackled and used a taser on Mumford. This is Ammon Bundy's defense lawyer following the Oregon standoff leader's acquittal in the federal conspiracy case on Thursday. That was last Thursday. They said his lawyer had become upset and aggressive in court after the jury verdict. Mumford had simply been arguing that his client should be released immediately, but U.S. District Judge Anna J. Brown said Bundy had a hold on him from a pending federal indictment in Nevada. Well, we know what that's over, the Nevada showdown. There were still charges, allegedly, from that. Mumford raised his voice at the judge, and suddenly seven marshals closed in on him, surrounding the attorney at the defense table. The judge told them to move back, but soon after, the marshals grabbed Mumford, ordered him out of the courtroom, and they tased him. A federal public defender said, I cannot think of a time when courtroom security officers have used force against a lawyer. So, to summarize, a federal court jury delivered a surprise verdict on Thursday acquitting Ammon Bundy and six followers of conspiracy charges stemming from the role in the armed takeover wildlife center in Oregon early this year. Bundy and the others, including his brother and co-defendant Ryan Bundy, cast the 41-day occupation of the Mulhern National Wildlife Refuge as a patriotic act of civil disobedience. Prosecutors called it a lawless scheme to seize federal property by force. That's at least the narrative we were being told. But I got a chance to interview Ammon Bundy back in January when he was at the Mulhern National Refuge in Oregon, and this is what he himself had to say. So I'm gonna play that and afterwards I'm gonna invite on Nevada Assemblywoman Michelle Fiore. She represents Clark County, that covered Bunkerville. She was involved very intimately with the Bundys. Let's not forget Bunkerville is her area. That whole Bunkerville BLM showdown, that fell in her district very close with the family. She's going to join me right after I play this clip with her comments. This is the questions that I posed to Ammon and this was his response. Let's take a listen. Emin, of course, we go way back with your dad. We helped in the BLM showdown get that to the public. How do you respond to the Chuck Baldwins, the Stuart Rhodes, clearly notable liberty loving constitutional men? But this idea that what you've done is lawless, you know, could there be provocateurs? Obviously, people that are installed there. How do you respond to that word, what they're doing is lawless?
1: Well, I would have to say, and it's very clear to me. that uh, that there are a lot of people who say they stand for the Constitution but do not understand it, who say that they're all about defending and protecting the Constitution, but yet they simply do not understand it, that in many ways it's become just an idea. Because what we are doing here is very clearly, and we stand very firm... On constitutional principles and that is that the federal government does not have authority to come inside the state and to control and administer its land and resource and we find that in article One, Eight Seventeen, we find the uh, their authority which they have to territories in article 432 and so if you truly believe in the Constitution and you understand it and that's what I'm basically asking people to do is go to article One, 1817 and understand that there are rules in which the federal government must follow in order to administer lands inside a state. And those rules are that they have to have um, consent from the state legislatures. They also have to purchase it from the rightful owner, and they can only use it for certain things, which are military purposes, national defense, and international trade, along with a few other uh, needed buildings, which are like post offices and so forth. And so you can see that these vast lands that they control and they acquire and they force people out and they use the courts to take, all of those, it's very, very clear that they're unconstitutional, that they did not have authority to do it in the first place. Because what we have is a situation here where government has taken the position that they own it, that they are the rightful users of it, and that they are the ones that can benefit and sell it and transfer it and be the beneficiaries of it. And as you know, that is completely opposite to what our founding fathers, our our system of government was established on. The rights belong to the individual. It's very simple. The land and the resources belong to the people.
0: Wise words from Ammon Bundy. That was during my interview with him back in January. Dave Hodges and I interviewed Ammon. Very good interview. Well, Here to join me on the latest news that was Thursday, the acquittal of Ammon Bundy and six others in Oregon, is a gal that's been with the Bundys since way before the Bunkerville showdown. It is Nevada Assemblywoman Michelle Fiore, a great woman that represents We the People, a staunch supporter of the Second Amendment, definitely a woman who stands up for the Constitution, Michelle Fiore, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you on to really break down what has happened and what are the next steps, I guess, for the Bundys in this case. Welcome.
2: Thank you. I am, my pleasure to, to be speaking with you and what happened with the Bundy case. You know, this is our first little victory, um, and we have uh, a, a long haul ahead of us. We still have another trial in Oregon for the last seven defendants. What happened was uh, incredible, and um, I'm I'm very grateful and thankful to the jurors that literally saw through the corruption. So that's amazing, because the prosecution, I mean, they stacked a lot of things against the Bundys um, and the other patriots that were at the Mallard Refuge. And when I say they stacked a lot of uh, things against them, I want you to imagine you and I being in a courtroom and let's say there's seven of us, right, because there were seven defendants, and there were 15 FBI informants, okay, 15 FBI informants. So really, whose party was it at the Maliard Refuge? Because, um, and when you find some of the really um, horrific things that the FBI did under the color of law, uh, as a lawmaker, that's very disturbing very disappointing, and um, I believe that my peers both, state and federal, local especially, have to yield their powers back and not continually give their powers uh, to these governmental agencies with the authorizations to hurt fellow Americans. What am I talking about, right? What am I talking about is there was one FBI informant, his name was John Kilman, that was his FBI informant name. His real name was Fabio Mijanino, something like that. He's a Las Vegas resident. He went up to the Mali Refuge as an FBI informant, and he brought a lot of firearms. He was the guy that was training people to shoot, giving them weapons, bringing guns and ammunition, and the FBI was paying him to do so. When they were in the court, the prosecution shows this huge of guns on the table, I don't know, probably 50, 60 guns on the table and boxes of ammunition. And the prosecution was trying to make the case that look at how many guns they brought to the table and blah, blah, blah. Well, long story short, all those guns belong to the FBI informants. So the question really is, how many guns actually belong to some of the Patriots? Well, come to find out, I think it was two guns out of all those guns. So when you look at what the FBI did, um, they were basically looking to entrap these people. Um, So, you know, it's a it's a problem. So thank goodness the jury saw through that corruption. Right.
0: Absolutely right. Well, the world is waking up to the very nefarious layers of all these organizations. It's ubiquitous throughout the Clinton campaign. What's incredible is the lengths these organizations will go, not just entrapment, but collusion, corruption, and extortion. This is flat-out extortion, and there's no doubt about it.
2: Without a doubt, without a doubt. And that was one of many. You have another informant named Terry Linnell, and I want you to, I want you to think about this. The FBI pays these informants in cash. Terry Linnell, the FBI paid her 3 Thousand dollars $3,000 to go to the refuge for, I think it was 12 to 14 days. She was at the refuge from, I think, January 12th to, like, January 24th. So they gave her $3,000 cash. They gave her $3,000 cash, and she signed a piece of paper in someone else's name, like her FBI informant name, and, uh, and they just gave her cash. And they also, the FBI... Informant. So, I want you to think about this. This is a girl, Terry Linnell, who just looks like, you know, your, your aging, old hippie woman, really kind of dresses, very frumpy, gray, straggly hair. Y- you know, it's just like she doesn't have FBI written on her face. But come to find out, this woman, Terry Linnell, that's how she makes her living. As an FBI informant, she goes and infiltrates Oath Keepers meetings, they pay her $100 a meeting. Uh, for Oath Keepers, and I'm not talking about when Oath Keepers has a meeting once a month. She goes and reports like, no, no, no. This woman met with several people that were either going to join Oath Keepers or were in Oath Keepers, and she would have a meeting like one-on-one, like you and I are kind of have a meeting via phone right now. She would have a meeting, and so let's say she had five, six meetings in one day. That's five, six hundred dollars cash, okay, in a day. So you know, the more you, more you look into Terry Linnell's background as an FBI informant, and you look at the protests that she's been to, you know, she mentions, and, you know, she does a lot of YouTubing, she mentions Occupy Wall Street, she mentions uh, something that happened in Florida, she mentions, you know, the Malleud Refuge. I know she was in Bunkerville, and she goes to the Oathkeeper meeting. So here's where this woman, the FBI is paying her cash, right? So what is she making? How are they paying taxes on this? How is that legal? And if the FBI can pay cash to people, why can't employers pay their employees cash bonuses under their dog's names? I mean, you look at the the operation is so sketchy and so scary. Um, And then, uh, you know, that's just some of the things that happened in Oregon. We can, you know, go into things that happened here in Nevada as well. So in the Oregon trial, the jurors, thank God, saw through one of the jurors, juror number 11, who was a um, a previous BLM agent and uh, and now is a corrections officer. So, you know, when you look at the behavior uh, that has taken place, it's a problem.
0: Well, I covered Bunkerville. That whole showdown at the BLM, sniper rifles pointed on these men. Since when do federal agents kill prize cattle, intimidate, and bully? It was an absolute nightmare. You had Harry Reid thrown in the mix. You had ENN Energy Group, solar deals, complete corruption, shutting down all those ranchers in that area. That was six generations of ranchers. We saw the outcome of that. And then you've still got Clive and Bundy sitting in jail today with no bail. How can this even happen? This is so scary what these guys are getting away with.
2: Very scary. And then... There's a few things that folks don't realize as well. So Clive and Bundy, he's a 70-year-old man. He's incarcerated, sitting in jail, no bail, no bond. You know, he's lived here his whole life, but, you know, he's going to, I guess, I think he's a flight risk. That's amazing. And you look at the situation that has uh, taken place in Bunkerville, a couple of different situations. Number one, the FBI back in 2014 was disguised as a uh, film company doing a documentary, Longbow Productions, and now these people, they were officers, officers of the law, okay? They literally disregarded people's Fifth Amendment right to self-incrimination. They told the Bundys, especially the Bundys, a lot of the protesters, hey, come talk to us, we want, we're making an independent film, and we got to do this and we got to do that. And meanwhile, people were like, okay, well, this is what's happening. Well, they had set up shop at the Wynn Hotel in a very plush, like, suite on the upper floors, making pretend they were Longbow Productions, having people sit down in this plush suite, um, videoing them, filming them, and a lot of times they were intoxicating them. I spoke with two people that actually went up to the uh, Longbow Productions penthouse at the wind, I spoke to Anthony Herrera, who uh, he has a YouTube and it's called Tactical Tony 702, and Gregory Burleson in, in jail right now at the uh, C.C.A., the Private Prison for Profit. Um, they intoxicated, they literally intoxicated these men, feeding them more and more alcohol and filming them, So and, 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 and enticing and encouraging them to say bad things. They've taken it a step further just this past Sunday, they have been following Anthony Herrera, who has YouTube is Tactical Tony 702. They've been following him, and they um, pulled him over in an on-mark car on Sunday, handcuffed him. They called a Metro Police unit car to come. It was some home terrorist task force. Handcuffed him, went through all of his stuff, threatened him with fines if he doesn't cooperate with the FBI because they want him to testify against. Eric Parker, another man that's in um, a jail here in Pahrump. And uh, just the things that they did to Anthony Herrera, which were shady, they were making fun of his YouTube, uh, Tony Tactical 702. They knew his two daughters. They knew where he worked. They knew how much he made. They knew he couldn't afford tickets. Now, Anthony has a concealed weapons permit. He had his gun. He had his knife, his phone. They went through all of that. He said to them, I don't want you searching my stuff. As soon as he said that, they handcuffed him and sat him on the curb. Wow. Okay? And they went through all of his things. They had to give everything back to him because as they run him, there's nothing bad about him. So what they did was they wrote all of these traffic infractions as they were following him, you know, in an unmarked car. Um, and they basically said, if you don't call this FBI agent, and they gave him the name, that they were going to make these charges tick. I mean, it's, it's like... Uh, I don't know how much more extortion, that that's extortion, that's entrapment, that's just horrible. Um, and this is what they're doing. And so um, they just did this on Sunday. He told them he didn't want to participate with them. He reached out to me. The first time I met him was Monday. I took him to our Metro Police Department. We filed an internal revenue complaint. We called that FBI agent together on the phone. I explained to the FBI agent with Anthony, that harassing him like this is very criminal. And if the FBI wants to talk to him, send him a subpoena, Like, do it the right way. Don't have a task force follow him for days. Actually, the the police officer told Tony that he was following him for two years. He knew where he worked. He knew his kids where they went to school. His wife, his ex-wife, his girlfriend. I mean, it was. It's really. They were. It was really like one hour of torture and harassment for this guy. And and unnecessarily, he doesn't have any information. He he doesn't know these people. So it's just really scary. Now, also, Anthony Herrera was one of those that was in Bunkerville, and he did a YouTube, and Longbow Productions had Anthony Herrera at the win in the suite with uh, Anthony Herrera and his girlfriend intoxicating him, feeding him beer after beer after beer after beer and encouraging this behavior and videoing him. And then they would say, well, let me ask you something off the record. And they would turn the camera, but the camera was still on. The audio was still on, everything. So these are entrapments. These are things that you cannot, they cannot be uh, admissible in court simply because they didn't identify themselves as officers. And when they violate the Fifth Amendment uh, of self-incrimination, they cannot use it. But these are some of the things that the FBI, a.k.a. Longbow Productions, I've literally done and put out there. And it's very scary when you have a government that's entrapping and extorting
0: Americans. Unbelievable. Well, Ammon and Ryan and five additional defendants were found not guilty in that decision in Oregon last Thursday. Essentially, they were acquitted. So where do things sit with Ammon currently, since he's allegedly got outstanding charges in Nevada, Going forward, what are the next steps for Ammon? And then just update us what's happening with Cliven as well. Well, the next step for Ammon and Ryan is they're coming to Nevada.
2: Um, What happened in the courtroom was just disgusting. I'm just going to use that word. It was just disgusting what happened to Ammon's attorney, Mumford. So they are on their way back to Nevada. They'll most likely be going to Pahrump. Um, where they can work on their case with their um, other, you know, indicted folks that are here. And they're going to be working on the Nevada case. Now, what I'm going to tell you, which is so sad, is the discovery that the judge here in Nevada has sealed from the press and the public is horrifying. I mean, simply horrifying. They have the camera footage of the BLM, and it literally, once the press and the public gets to see what the BLM was doing, how they were talking, how they were goofing off about killing people and shooting that horse and, you know, aiming at the dogs and, you know, goofing around with each other about what uh, cowboy they were going to kill. And you're talking about these guys on horses and that standoff, most of them were unarmed. So they were talking about killing unarmed Americans and animals. So you're looking at dogs and horses and men and women and children, and these jerks were goofing off about it. I guess they're just not used to wearing body cameras. You know, they have the body camera of them beating up and kidnapping Dave Bundy, and as, you know, as defendants and the attorneys are going through all of this discovery, they're altering the, the evidence. Uh, some of the body cam footage and the dash cam footage, uh, there's four minutes, of the footage missing, I guess they don't want to ask the public and the press to hear, you know, all of their nonsense that they were saying. It's very, very interesting.
0: Well, this is just one big setup. And, you know, you look at the injustice here, and especially the tragic loss of Lavoie Finnickham, Let's not forget that part in all this. That's disgusting. It's um, very tragic. And, you know, this goes back to
2: why... Our government doesn't value our lives. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. really, it really—it saddens me that they would just think about murdering someone in cold blood for a statement, not thinking about his wife, his children, his grandchildren. I mean, they—it's a shared sentence. When they took Lavoie Finicum's life, they took a piece of his wife, yeah. his children, his grandchildren. How does an individual do that? And how does the officers that were shooting him in cold blood, how do they sleep at night?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of these sociopaths, you have to wonder how they do sleep at night, including Harry the Huckster Reed as I call him, the Bureau of Land Management, whose director was Senator Harry Reid's former senior advisor, purged documents from the website stating that the agency wanted Cliven Bundy's cattle off the land, that his family had worked for over 140 years in order, to make way for these solar panel power stations, these utility-scale solar power generation facilities, in which Harry Reid was ironically making deals with the Chinese on. This is on record. Solar energy development in six southwestern states implemented a comprehensive solar energy program for public lands in those states. And Harry Reid's son, Rory Reid, was a chief representative of, for a Chinese energy firm, ENN Energy, planning to build a $6 million solar plant on public lands right there in Laughlin, Nevada. And the New York Times reported that Hillary Clinton sold uranium to the Russians while serving as the Secretary of State. More and more proof is coming out about the BLM chicanery with these ranches linked into a Canadian mining front company, Uranium One, who have supported Clinton's campaign transferring uranium from BLM land to the Russians through an offshore holding company and yet what were we told at the time the BLM's official reason for encircling the Bundy family at the Bunkerville showdown was and that's by the way was sniper teams and helicopters to what protect an endangered tortoise yeah i don't think so that's correct so you have to understand who who is committing
2: conspiracy is it the people of the United States, or is it the United States government? So that's the question. And then, and the burden of proof is upon us. And when we have to prove that without the media on our side, I mean, the bottom line is we're not Hillary Clinton. We can't call the the media and say, hey, I need you to report the truth here.
0: Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So,
2: you know, the burden... Lies on us, and then you know people like yourself that's working on, trying to get the truth out there, and then how far is your reach? Do you see what I'm saying? How far? How far do you think you could reach? I mean, I just did a video with Newsmax TV, Las Vegas. Right? We did that I think, two days ago. We put that out there, and now you know about three or four thousand people shared it. About a hundred and seventy thousand viewed it. And when you look at that, that's really not much.
0: It's a drop in the bucket compared to the the mainstream reach.
2: See what I'm saying? You look at, so it's very, very difficult to where the mass media feeds lies to the American public, all of the media. And unless you're actually there and on the ground, it's very, very hard to believe the government's doing this.
0: Well, I think more and more people are waking up with these WikiLeaks. The collusion is tremendous, what's been reported now. So I think the American people are sort of waking up and they're connecting the dots, which is great. We've got a long ways to go. But where do you see things going now for Ammon Bundy? I mean, we know what's happening with Cliven. For people that don't know, give a little rundown on what's happening with Ammon because I understood that even though they acquitted them, they didn't release him. So what's next, Michelle?
2: So with Ammon and Ryan, uh, they still have them detained. They should be arriving here in Nevada today or tomorrow, most likely by Tuesday, because their their transportation days are are weird. Um, I haven't uh, gotten a confirmation on where they are yet. I'm actually I'm meeting at five thirty with some folks that um, went to the jail today, so in the Pahrump facility, so. I don't know if they're going to bring them to Henderson or Pahrump, but this is what I predict is going to happen. Once the discovery is on to the press and to the public, understand the discovery is what our defendants prove it. They have the body camera footage from the BLM beating up and kidnapping um, David Bundy. They have a lot of camera footage of the BLM officers making jokes about who they were going to kill first and what horse they were going to put down and scoping in on dogs and all this that I'm telling you has been sealed from the press and the public via the judge here in Nevada. And so once the press and the public actually gets to view these agents goofing off and laughing about setting up a triage and killing Americans, I think it's going to fall really hard on the federal government's behavior. And I expect You know, on all counts here in Nevada, everybody uh, that's involved and charged to be found not guilty.
0: Well, there's a lot still in custody, including Clive and Bundy, correct?
2: Yep, Clive. There's a lot of. We have 13 that sit in jail, uh, and as soon as Ammon and and, uh, Ryan get here, there'll be 15 that's in the Prompt jail, and then. There's uh, one in Henderson. The problem with the one in Henderson is. he took a plea. And so now he I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago. And now he is angry (laughs) that he took a plea. So I don't know what he's going to do. I'm going to try to see after the election to visit with him and and see what he wants to do. But the public defenders are not being uh, any good help in in this case.
0: Wow. What is the status with Pete Santilli?
2: Oh, Pete Santilli, um, i got to tell you, that guy is brilliant. Uh, he is
0: full of energy.
2: Um, I'm meeting with Deb Jordan. Actually, she's one that will be in the meeting at 530. And uh, I'll get an update on Pete. He's really putting a lot of the PowerPoint together on the horrific footage from the BLM's body cam. He's very, very um, important to the defense in this case.
0: Right. Well, in the waning moments, what would be your message to people out there, That your strongest message, and what people can do to get behind this? Because one of the things I find I guess so sad in all of this is that it was crickets chirping amongst the patriot groups. You didn't see Oath Keepers rising up. You didn't see all these liberty-loving organizations really get behind the Bundys, and I find that really sad. I do too. That's why, and you also have to
2: understand with some of the organizations that have been infiltrated, I believe, as I'm putting the docs together, uh, some of these organizations were infiltrated by FBI informants, including the Oath Keepers. So I think, just my theory, no, this is just my thought, with some of the organizations such as Oath Keepers and 3%, I think they were infiltrated, and I think they're blackmailing them and using th- those type of tactics to try to uh, keep them silent, or they're using their backgrounds, you know, maybe someone was in trouble. Like, the more and more I find out about Blaine Cooper, um, the more and more I have to talk to Blaine, you know, on a serious note, and say, Blaine, you know, if you're a convicted felon, you do not get to have a gun. And then when Blaine says to me, well, my Second Amendment, I guess you lost that when you you actually broke the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you cannot have your cake and eat it, too. You know, as a law maker and a person that actually obeys the law and understands we need to change stupid laws and fight for good laws, you still don't disobey a law. You can't be a convicted felon and then go get a gun when you're not allowed. I mean, that, that's just stupid. If you're a convicted felon and you feel like, you know, you've been wrongly convicted, great. Then fight that and clean your record up before you go and... Have a firearm. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't don't put yourself or your friends and associates in jeopardy because you're you're an idiot. Do you understand what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's very important to make sure you're not jeopardizing a group as well when you go into it. It's one thing to put yourself at risk, but putting other risks because of bad judgment calls. Absolutely. Well, in the waning moments, Michelle, what can people do to? get behind Ammon Bundy and these others and show support for these people that are willing to stand up and fight for constitutional freedoms, to stand up against the steady erosion of our rights and the usurping of our constitutional liberties and freedoms in these very tyrannical times?
2: Um, I'm going to tell you right now, and a lot of folks don't realize this, but they have to, without a doubt, get politically active. And when I say politically active, Wherever they are, whatever city they're in, whatever state they're in, they really have to take the time and register to vote. Because, and they have to, and what we're going to start doing is getting lists together of candidates and elected officials that that are uh, that truly believe in our constitution and across the nation, and they really have to make sure that they don't buy into the division uh, by design. Like right now, there's a big fight going on that the Bundys, you know, were released because of white privilege. And, you know, and I say to myself, really? We had, we had uh, African-American protesters that were at the Malliard Refuge. They didn't get arrested. When you look at Black Lives Matter and you look at some of the destruction that has happened in some of their protests, especially the Dallas protests where five officers were shot, Um, You know, that's not what took place. So we have to make sure that white people and black people and Indians and all the groups understand that we're fighting the same enemy. So until we realize that and use our voice in the voting polls and make sure we get elected officials that are going to yield back our power, and when I say that, I mean elected officials, congressmen, U.S. senators, state assembly people, state House of Reps, state senators that are going to not allow these alphabet agencies, BLM, FBI, the authority and control that they have. And so that's our biggest weapon is our voice with candidates and voting. I have to tell you, however, I speak to a lot of folks, and they're like, yeah, we're going to take America back. And I go, really? Did you vote? And they're like, well, no, that really doesn't matter. I I really get, really? That doesn't matter? The next person that says that to me, I'm literally going to say, get out of my face. Because if you think that doesn't matter, you should not be protesting. Like, shut your mouth and vote. Period. Shut your mouth and vote. So until people get that, we have big battles in front of us.
0: Well, you ended on a perfect note because we're in a battle, as you can see, right up here until November 8th and certainly beyond. And I always tell people, not voting or voting for a third party is a vote for Hillary Clinton, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. Michelle, if people have questions or they want to get involved in their area and they need some help, how do folks get in touch with you? You know,
2: they can email me. Directly at Michelle at votefiore dot com, and my name Michelle is spelled with one L, M I C H E L E at votefiore f i o r e dot com. They can email me, and um we can start with that. They can email me. They can let me know, you know, what part of the country they live in, and you know, I'm going to ask them the hard questions. Who's your representatives? You know how many times when people call me, I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm like, okay. Who
0: is your assembly person? Oh, I don't know. just your together. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Uh, get informed, people. Michelle, thank you for your time and coming on the program and for the, all the work you do for the good people of Nevada and the work that you've done with the Bundys. Thanks for coming on, and God bless you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Folks, that was Michelle Fiore. Her information is linked there on today's bio, Monday, October 31st. Hey, if you're planning on going out on Halloween, you might want to go back in the archives and listen to the show I did on Halloween. I think I laid that out pretty good. What do you think? Do you think Christians have any business partaking in this most occult holidays? Well, listen to the show and you be the judge. Tomorrow on the program, John Terrell is back on the last part of Soul